Uh, I'm about listening guides. If you didn't get a listening guide, we have some available for you because you need a listening guide sometimes. So if you want one, we have some people in the back. Actually, one person. If you'd like to have one, raise your hand. Okay, good. We're ready to go. Join me in Psalms chapter 37. Psalms 37. This is a, a psalm that David has written. Most of the psalms, when you read those 150 of them, they're addressed to God. Uh, some of these writers, David included, just let God have it because he's frustrated with life. He's, he's dealing with issues and, and it's okay to let God have it. He's big enough. He can handle that, right? Because he created everything. So today's title is this, a prescription to help Christians flourish in their daily life. Now, the word flourish literally means this, to grow or develop in a healthy or a vigorous way. Vigorous means strong or full of energy. And when I looked at that definition, I thought of one person on a member of our church. His name is Scott Guidry. Scott was right over here with these children. The greatest testimony I've heard, which would be a great testimony of any of us, when I asked the pastor, tell me who this guy is on stage jumping and playing and all this stuff. And now he helps us. He works with us up here. Here's the greatest testimony the pastor gave him. When Scott Guidry got Jesus, he never got over him. Ouch. Praise the Lord for Scott. But I want to give you a message from the Lord, a prescription to help us develop in our, in our Christian life to grow healthy and to be full of energy. Um, so let me, not that this needs credibility because we know that all the authors of the scripture are inspired by God. But if you look at Psalms 37, I want to start in verse 25 and I want to just give some credibility to David. And I love this. And we've heard this before. Here's what he said in, in Psalms 37, verse 25. I have been young and now I'm old. And yet I've not seen the righteous forsaken or his descendants begging for bread. This past week or a couple weeks ago, was it last week, VBS? It seemed like it, it, was, it was awesome. It was a great week. Someone asked in, in class, what is wisdom? And a, a person, a little child responded, it's a person with gray hair is what wisdom is. Okay? I'm not so sure I'm full of wisdom. I might be some, full of some other things, but um, they got it right. That's what the scripture says in Proverbs. It's Proverbs. So I want, to, I want to give you this question. Have you ever thought in life, doing life with, with other people, that, that the ungodly, the sinners, seem to get all the breaks in life? Anybody besides me believe that? Anyone? I'm the only one? Okay, a few of you. Thank you very much. The rest of you must not care. I don't know. Um, I, I, it seems to me it's that way. So here, here, here's what Stephen Larson wrote. He said, in a commentary, commentary that he wrote, he said, it may appear that the ungodly are excelling in this world above and beyond uh, godly believers. But righteous people must remember that appearances are deceiving. God will have the final say. Now, back to Psalms 37 in verse 37. Here's what God's word says. See if this doesn't match. He says, observe the blameless person and look at the upright. For the person of peace will have a future. But wrongdoers will altogether be destroyed. The future of the wicked will be eliminated. But the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord, and he is their strength in time of trouble. 
The Lord helps them rescue the Lord helps them and rescues them. He rescues them from the wicked and saves them because they, meaning believers, Christ's followers, take refuge in him. Now, the word ungodly is, a, is synonymous with evildoers or wrongdoers, workers of iniquity and wicked. So in the transition, because you see we kind of have a medical theme going on here. We have a doctor's coat. Thank you to Dr. Uh, Johnny Smith. And, and we have some bottles of some prescriptions up here. And they're all legal. They're all filled with Skittles. Okay? So a couple weeks ago in preparing this, and listen... I, I'm pretty good. I think God helps me do this because I have two months to prepare. Thank you, Pastor, for giving me two months. But he gets every week to prepare. So I, I come up with all this stuff. Woke up one morning, 3.30 in the morning, with flourish on my brain. Flourish, flourish. Lord, what is it? Flourish. I got up, started reading. And he said, you remember your friend, Jared and Drenda Roberts in Oklahoma City? Yes. He said, call him, text him. Well, Jared and Drenda own a pharmacy. It's a pharmacy and it's a compounding pharmacy. And it's called Flourish. So I called him and I said, hey, I need some help with a sermon. What do you need? I need pill bottles. Great. How many you need? I said, I think 300. He sent me 600. So we have some stuff for VBS next year. <laughs> then he said, what would you like on them? I said, well, I don't know. He said, normally doctors give a prescription. So here's what you're going to get at the end of the hour, end of the time. It's going to be a response. People of faith prescribed by God's word. Take five pills daily to flourish in your Christian life. That's the setup. Now, what I want to do with Psalms 37, I want to show you the back half of Psalms 37, beginning in verse 18. And I want to walk us through some very important information for us. Now, we all know that the number one cause of death in the world is heart disease. The number two cause of death is cancer. I just, my, my mentor... Um, why did I do this? My mentor and, and my youth minister uh, died June the 12th of cancer. Cancer is a thief. But by, biblically, the Bible tells us that we have a spiritual heart disease. Listen to Proverbs 16.8 or 6.18. A heart that devises wicked plans, feet that run rapidly to evil. That's a, that's a wicked spiritual heart. A good heart is Proverbs 3.1. My son, do not forget my teachings, meaning my law, but have your heart comply with my commandments. We have spiritual heart disease. We have spiritual cancer. Now, here's some names and some listings of some things that I really believe because cancer is a thief. Um, these are all scriptural. These are all found in the Bible. John 10.10, Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, meaning Satan. But I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. Here's some names that, I've, that might be examples of spiritual cancer. Here's what it looks like. Pride, fear, anxiety, worry, lust, gossip, hate, jealousy, being envious, unloving, and many, many more. We can umbrella easily just saying sin. Sometimes God wants us to identify these sins. And this is what spiritual cancer can do. It can rob you of our spiritual life if we listen to that. Now, here's some good news. Out of Isaiah 53, verses 4 through 6, he says, the writer Isaiah says, however, it was our sicknesses that he himself bore. It was our pain that he carried. 
Yet we ourselves assumed that he had been afflicted, struck down by God, and humiliated. Verse 5, but he, Jesus, was pierced for our offenses. He was crushed for our wrongdoings. He was punished for our well-being was laid upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. We've each turned to our own way, but the Lord caused everything to be placed on Jesus. He is the great physician. He and the the Father and the Spirit, they're the great physician. So what I want to do, I want to give you a prescription that will help you in your Christian life and to flourish. But what I want to do first, I want to give you the results. I've never been to a doctor who says, okay, Randy, before you tell me what's wrong with you, I'm going to give you the results. So I'm going to give you the results. And I hope it whets your appetite to be able to be willing to be committed to trust the Lord that you'll come and get one of these bottles and take it home with you as a reminder, as a reminder. Over and over and over again in the Old Testament, uh, what do these stones mean? They're there as a reminder of what God did. God throughout the Bible always gives us reminders. So this is one of the commitments. This is one of the responses because every time we encounter God, I really believe God wants and requires a response out of us. So here's the results. If you were to take this prescription, according to verses 18 through 22, God blesses his people with provision for their daily needs. 18 through 22. Here's what it says. Look with me in your word. The Lord knows the days of the blameless. That's us. And their inheritance will be forever. They will not be ashamed in the time of evil. And in the days of famine, they will have plenty. But the wicked will perish and the enemies of the Lord will like, be like the glory of the pastures, like they vanish, like smoke, they vanish away. The wicked borrows and does not pay back. The righteous is gracious and gives. But those who are blessed by him will inherit the land. Five times in Psalms 37, he talks about how we as those that are blessed will inherit the land. And I tried hard after having lunch with a friend this past week to see what that means, inherit the land. Here's, my, here's what I think it believes. Here's what I've been confirmed by commentaries. The wicked will be eliminated. Five times in the 37, it says the wicked will be eliminated. But us who are believers will inherit the land. If you look at Revelation, and if you even look at Matthew 5, 5, Jesus says, blessed are the meek, the gentle. Why? Because what will they inherit? They will inherit the earth. In Revelation, we know that we win. We win. So why don't we act and live like we are winners? We're on the winning team. We don't have to fret and worry. Are we going to win? Are we going to lose? We're winners. And in in Revelation, it says we will experience a new heaven and a new earth. I heard an old sage preach on this years ago. He said, a new heaven, a new earth. If you like golf, you'll be the best golf courses ever. If you like to fish, you'll be the best fishing spots ever. If you like to do... Shop, it'll be the best shopping places ever. We won't need anything, but we can shop. It's going to be the best. So God provides for us as his children, his provision. Provision means he supplies and provides. Everyone knows Philippians 4.19, and my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. All, can you say all with me? All. He's our Jehovah Jireh. He's our provider. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. Be careful if you raise your hand or not. Anybody in here as a believer doesn't want this? Is there anybody in here doesn't want God as our provision? I didn't think so. So let's do number two. Number two, according to 23 and 24, God blesses his people with protection. With protection. 
He says, the steps of a man are established by the Lord. He delights in his way. When he falls, he will not be hurled down because the Lord is the one who holds his hand. We're protected. He's our shield. He's the one whom we need to run to. He guards us. He's our, he's our safekeeping. In verse 40, he says, he's our refuge in whom we need to go to. He's our protection. He's our provider. Is there anybody in here as a believer doesn't want God's protection? He's here. He's protecting us. Thirdly, verses 25 and 26, God blesses His people with His presence. Look at 25 and 26. I've been not young, now I'm old. I've not seen the righteous forsaken as the descendants begging for bread. All day long He is gracious and lends, and His descendants are a blessing. Listen, my friend, there's not a day that goes by that I do not realize that God is with me. He is with me. He is, he is with us. Now, one of the names of God, we said Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Here's another one. I love this name. I did this study years ago. It's Jehovah Shema. I love saying that. Say it with me. Jehovah Shema. Say it again. Jehovah Shema. You know what that means? He is our presence. There's not a place that you and I can go to, drive to, go wherever. God is not there. And we know that God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. So thank Him today that Jehovah Shema, I love that, Jehovah Shema is with us. Is there anybody not want that? In Exodus chapter 13, it's Moses getting the people of, of Israel out of, out of Egypt. And... and um, I've got to read it because I would mess it up if I don't. Listen to this. Exodus 13, verse 20. Then they set out from Sukkoth and they camped in Etham at the edge of the wilderness. Listen to verse 21. And the Lord was going before them in a pillar of cloud, a fire, and at night a pillar of light. Jehovah Shammah. He's with us. His presence is all around us. And for the children of Israel, he said, look, during the day, I'm going I'm to give you a cloud by day and a cloud by fire by night so you'll know that I'm here. Why, as believers, do we doubt that where's God when something bad happens? He's there. And I'll say this at the end, trials and tests Come because it's a, it, to see if we really believe what we believe. Do you really believe what you believe? Trials and tests will come to, t to test that. I'm telling you today that you'll claim Jehovah Shabbat as our presence, that He's with us. My friend, you know Psalms 23. The Lord is our shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He's with us. His rod and his staff is comforts us. Please leave this place knowing that Jehovah Shema is with you. And there's nothing, nowhere you'll ever go. Remember in, in Mother's Day, I had faith the flamingo. God's invisible providential hand is orchestrating your life. You're here today. You think you're here because you're, you, you, you wanted to come. You're here because God brought you here. He, you're here for a reason, my friend. And if you're here and you're wondering, man, I'd like to have that stuff. You can. My friend, you can. It's called salvation. It's a free gift of God. 
For by grace are you and I saved through faith and that not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. And if you've never really received, you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, today's your day. Today's your day. Salvation can be received if you'll just humble yourself and say, Lord, I am a sinner. I'm far away from you. Thank you for giving me your presence and your word that says if I trust in you, if I put all my faith in you, if I forgive, if, you'll, if I confess my sins, you're faithful to forgive me. That can happen to you today. Respond to God. You can simply say, God, what Randy's saying is true. What your word is saying is true. God, I, I trust you. I need you in my life. I need you because of your provision, your protection, your presence. Then he goes on to say in verses 27 and 29, God blesses his people by enabling them to live obedient lives. 27 through 29 says this, Turn from evil and do good so that you will dwell forever. For the Lord loves justice and does not abandon his godly ones. They are protected forever. But the descendants of the wicked will be eliminated. The righteous will inherit the land. There it is again. The righteous will inherit the land and dwell in it forever. God enables us as his children, as you as a parent enable and, 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 and help your kids to flourish in their life. Feed them well. Train them up in the godliness of the Lord. Obedience means submission, means willing to obey. It means, as I've told you before, the universal sign of surrender is not just waving the white flag, but coming humbly before the Lord and saying, with arms up, God, I surrender. You are my all in all. You can enable me to live an obedient life. If you're taking notes, write down 1 Peter 1 and then John 15 and read those passages of Scripture. Uh, I, I love Henry Blackaby. Henry Blackaby is a day-by-day devotion that I read every day. And he's based this on, this, on the um, fruits of the Spirit. And he says this, The Spirit will immediately begin helping you experience and practice the same love that Jesus had when he laid down his life for his friends. The same joy he experienced will now fill you. The identical peace that guarded the heart of Jesus even as he was being beaten and mocked, he will be the peace that the Spirit of God works and instills in us. The patience Jesus had for the most unteachable disciple will be the patience that the Spirit now develops in us. The kindness Jesus showed towards children and sinners will often um, uh, be in your hearts towards others. There will be goodness about you that can only be explained that the presence of Jesus is in us. The Spirit will build faithfulness into you that led Jesus to be entirely obedient to His Father, even unto death. Can you imagine Jesus, before time began, he knew his mission, he knew his calling, he knew he's coming for us as sinners. And God laid all of the iniquity on the world on him. The Spirit will teach us self-control so that you and I will have the strength to do what is right and to resist temptation. God enables us as his children, just as us as a good mother and a father enable our children. I have the three boys and and praise, praise God through Amy's presence most of their days. They're all right so far. And, and, and I, I, then God gave us two daughter-in-laws that we love. And their parents raised them right. And now we have four grandbabies. And I pray that what we passed on to our kids will be passed on to them. When I preached on Mother's Day, Thatcher... My oldest grandson, 
He was listening intently, and I pray he's listening today. He loves to hear his name on TV. He loves to see Papa on big screen. Instead of the little small FaceTime. But he, I said something like God's, God's protection or provision. And he yelled, Daddy, Mommy, Papa said pizza, pizza, the pizza of God. No, it was the presence of God, Thatcher. So he's being trained. And his wonderful little sister Pepper and then Sloan and Stella. Love those kids. But we'll see here that it's very important for us as, as, as believers that we pass this on. Listen, God enables us as His children. He gives us everything pertaining to life and godliness, number four. Number five, He blesses His righteous people with His Word. His Word. Psalms 31 and through 4. It says, The law of His God is in His heart. That's the Bible. That's the Scripture. His steps do not slip. The wicked spies on the righteous and seeks to kill him. The Lord will not leave him in his hand or let him be condemned when he is judged. Wait for the Lord and keep his way and he will exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are eliminated, you will see it. We'll see it, my friend. We'll see it. God's word. You've heard this before. Listen to Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 6, 4 through 9. Hear Israel. Here, First Baptist Friendswood, here people here today, the Lord our God is one. The Lord shall be, you shall love the Lord with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your strength. These words which I'm commanding you today shall be on your heart. My friend, do you have the Word of God in your heart and on your heart? Is it written on your forehead? Is it tied around your, your, your wrist? And you shall repeat them diligently to your sons and daughters and speak them when you sit in the house, when you walk on the road, when you lie down and when you get up. You shall also tie them on your hand. They shall be the frontlets of your forehead. You shall also write them on the doorpost of your house. Listen, my friend. God has given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. And yet sometimes we worry, we fret, we have these sins, spiritual sins. God's given us everything, my friend. And it, only because of what you want and what you desire is what you're going to get. I've told my kids many times, what you put into something is what you're going to get out of it. Students, what you put into something is what you're going to get out of it. It was because of my youth pastor, like Matt, poured into me when I was 16. He taught me the disciplines of the Word. And today he's singing holy forever just with the angel because he's in heaven now. We ought to do it because we love Jesus with all of our heart. Don't walk out of here nonchalantly like you walked in here. It's time for us as Christians to believe and live what we believe. Look at all these things he's given to us. Now, do you want it? How bad do you want it? God's word in our heart and life is the secret prescription to flourishing in your daily life. The question is if, if do you want it? How bad do you want it? How bad do you want it? Now, here's the five pills that I want you to commit to if, if at the end of the response, the decision time to come up here and grab a bottle. Don't eat them. They're reminders. Don't be tempted. They're reminders. 
You with me? All right, number one. The first pill to be taken is found in verses one and two. Here we go. Do not get upset because of evildoers. Do not get, be envious because of wrongdoers, for they will wither quickly like the grass and decay like the green plants. I don't care how often I water my grass. It doesn't matter because the heat and humidity just sucks it right back out and takes it somewhere. First, the first thing he says, don't do, don't do. There's not too many don't do's. But he says, don't, don't get upset. Don't be envious. Don't, the upset literally means don't, don't get burned up. Don't get heated up. David's message to us is to cool down, keep cool. Again, according to scriptures in five, five verses, he says the ungodly, the wicked, all that will be eliminated, my friend. They'll be eliminated. The second pill to be taken is found in verse 3. Trust in the Lord and do good. Live in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Can you think, seated here today, can you think of anybody else better to trust in than Jesus? I know mom and daddy are sometimes awesome and I know other people are awesome. Is there anybody better to trust in the Lord and to do good with Him? I can't think of anybody. Now, is it possible to trust in God and fret and worry and, and, and be anxious at the same time? This is no, which is really the only answer. David, uh, Paul tells us in Romans 15, verse 13, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We're to, we're to trust in the Lord and do good. We're to live in the land and cultivate faithfulness. The word cultivate is a farming term. We're to be turning up uh, the soil, and the soil is a representation of our heart. Always be turning it up, turning it over. Again, Blackaby on May the 31st says this word, Jeremiah 17.5. He says, thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart has departed from the Lord. He says, placing your ultimate trust in anything other than God is idolatry, which could be another sin, cancer. How can you know if, you, if your faith is not truly in God? Blackaby says, ask these, three, ask these questions. Where do I turn when I experience a crisis? When I'm hurting or afraid, to whom do I go? When I have a financial problem, where do I go? Who do I tell first? Where do I seek comfort when I'm under stress or discouraged? He goes on to say, listen, my friend, if it's anything but Jesus first, you're missing the point. Jesus is everything. He's helped these students through life to get to this point. We celebrated the graduates. He's going to get the rest of you through life if God ordains and wills. I can't think of anybody else to put my faith and hope and trust in. The third pill in the bottle is to be taken daily is found in verse 4. It's delight in the Lord. Delight in the Lord. He says this. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Now, I've got to confess something to you. I would rather do, believe in, number, in, in the second half of verse 4 than to do the verse first half. I, I want to, He'll give me the desires of our heart. God, give me the desire. You said you'd give me the desires of our heart. He said, yes, but you've got to delight in me first. Delight literally means this. 
is to be brought up in luxury, to be pampered. It speaks of the abundance of the blessing that we have from the Lord Himself. In Jesus, my friend, we have everything, everything pertaining to life and godliness. If there's a weakness in your area, Jesus can cover it for you. Jesus can enable you. The light, the light in Him because He's given us everything. Jesus is the, it's God's treasure. We need no other. Now, the question about desire is how much do you want to know Him? How bad do you want it? I love watching athletes. I only dreamed about being a great athlete. And this is what you get when you dream. Um, we're, we're on a walking regiment right now. And I do feel a lot better every day. But you got you to get in it. You got to do it. How bad do you want to know God? Here's what Paul said in, in Philippians chapter 3, verses 8 through 10. Listen to Paul's heart. He says, more than that, I count all things to be lost in the view of surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, from whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, so that I may gain Christ. He lost a great deal of his past to gain Christ. Then he said in verse 9, that I may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Jesus, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Now here's verse 10. Paul says that I may know Him and know the power of His resurrection and know the fellowship of His suffering, being conformed even to His death. Paul had a great desire to know God and to, and to represent His Jesus well. Tony Evans says it's hard to see your future when you're staring at your past. It's hard to see your future when you're always looking in the rearview mirror, looking at your past. The fourth pill to be taken daily is found in verse 5. He says this, commit your way to the Lord, trust also in Him and He will do it. The word commit literally, it's a verb text and it means to roll off your burdens. Roll off, cast all your cares upon Him. Similar word, cast all your cares upon Him because He cares for you. I, I wasted so many words and breath to my mama when I told my mama, Mama, don't worry. Wasted. You know why? Well, Randy, that's what mommies do. Really? I said, really? Show me in Scripture and I'll believe you. Mommies shall worry for all their kids. Mommies shall fret. Now, as dads, we do the same thing. We hide it better. <laughs> Commit your way to the Lord. That's the, that's the fourth pill. Fifth pill is to be taken. Here's, here's a good word for us. Rest in the Lord. Rest in the Lord. Verses 7. Verse 7. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently. How many love that word? Rest and wait. Anybody? Anybody? Nobody? Okay, we need to practice that. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently. Do not get upset because the one is, who is successful in his way, the evildoers, cease from anger and abandon wrath. Ooh, ouch, that hurt me. Do not get upset. It only leads to evildoing for evildoers will be eliminated, but those who wait for the Lord, they will inherit the land. Rest means to be silent, to be still. It describes a calm surrender to the Lord. When's the last time you rested? When's the last time you've been calm? I'm resting right now because my phone's right over there. It's not bothering me. 
I don't have to look at it. I'm not addicted to it. Listen to what David said in Psalms 62. My soul waits in silence for God alone. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I shall, not, I shall not be greatly shaken. My soul waits in silence for God, for he is my hope. He's my rock and salvation. He's my refuge. You get it? Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts before him. God is our refuge. My question when I read this is this. How in the world did David write that? How could he have written that? And the only thing I could come up with was he experienced it. He lived it. How do you experience God? How do you live God? Can you write those words like David wrote to us? Until we rest and wait silently before God, I don't believe we'll fully experience the peace of God that he provides for us. So my question to us as we close is this. How bad do you want to flourish in your Christian life? How bad do you want it? Tests and trials appear to see if we really believe what we believe. Mark, you had one this past recently with your car accident. Others, I'm sure. Who's your refuge? Who's the first person you call? Who's the first person you go to? I pray it's Jesus. Who do you run to? My encouragement to us is surrender to King Jesus. I'm going to pray here shortly. Dylan's going to come up in the band. And I want you to spend some time with Jesus before you step forward to take a commitment. This is a reminder of today's message for you to take with you. If you get tempted to eat the Skittles, eat them and then replace them. My friend, the great physician, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the, and, and, the, and the Father wants us to live a life that will make a difference in people's lives. And I pray that I am living that. And I give all of you permission that if you see me out in public doing something I'm not supposed to be doing lovingly, come tell me. But remember, it goes two ways. Accountability goes both ways. So let me pray for us. And then I almost have a commitment response time. Jesus, thank you for loving us so much that you provided us your word, your holy word. You've challenged us, Jesus, to be like you. To live our life that will honor and glorify you in all that we do. Father, this time is your time. Your Holy Spirit do its work on our life. And if you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, today's the day. The Bible says today's the greatest day of our life. Pastor and I will be up here. We'd love to see you. We'd love to talk to you. But also during this time, it's a commitment, it's a response time. If you want to take a step of walking with Jesus more intimately, more closely, you come forward and grab a bottle a prescription bottle. Jesus, move. Have your will and your way in our lives. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand.